how to pray for healing and restoration. We've learned a lot about prayer over the last five weeks. And um, I don't think there's any more important thing we could be praying about right now for our country, for our community, than healing and restoration. Maybe you individually in your family, maybe it's in your marriage, maybe it's in your relationships, there needs to be healing and restoration. But there's oftentimes no more important thing that we could pray about healing and restoration. I don't know if you've looked at our area lately, but it needs healing and restoration from a drug epidemic. Amen? It needs healing and restoration from depression. It needs healing and restoration from crime. And, and the word of God tells us that if we will do a couple things, that he will hear and heal. And we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about how to pray for healing and restoration. Say amen if you're interested. Okay. You don't want to give, but you're interested in healing. That's fine. We'll get there. God made a promise to Solomon at the dedication of the temple. It's about 3,000 years ago. And it's recorded in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, 14, verse 14. Why don't we stand? We're going to read this together. This scripture is plastered everywhere. This is a very, very popular scripture. But I believe we rush through it and we don't realize that there's a part that we play, a, a large part that we play in this. And we're going to talk about that this morning. We're going to learn what our part is. Second Chronicles, Chronicles 7, 14. Are you ready? Read it with me. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will hear the, heal their land. Let's read it again. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal, heal their land. Father, we thank you this morning. We believe that's a promise that's true today. Lord, we're in a community that needs healing. There's people here right now standing within the sound of my voice that need healing in their bodies in their relationships. God, we need you to heal us. We need you to heal our country. And Lord, we want to be the people for the catalyst that started. We want to be the catalyst for your healing. Teach us this morning how to pray effectively for you to heal us. And Lord, we pray that you'd receive the honor and the glory forever and ever because it is already yours. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray and everyone said, amen and amen. All right, you may be seated. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. First thing you have to realize about this portion of scripture is it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. This is not an all-inclusive blessing that, that people who don't belong to Christ can pray. He starts out saying, if my people, if my people, if my 
people. So there's a category of people that he's talking about. If my people, it's not for everybody. Matthew chapter 12, verse 46 says, while Jesus was teaching the crowd, his mother and brothers waited nearby to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your family wants to talk to you. Jesus said, who is my family? Now, before you get all upset about Jesus not respecting his mother and his brothers, it's not the point he was making. Like, I don't know those people. He wasn't embarrassed about his mom or his, or his, or his family. He was making a point. He said, he said, who is my family? Then pointing to his followers, he said, these people are my family. Anyone who obeys my father in heaven and does his will is my brother and my sister and my mother. So Jesus is saying, anyone who follows him, because if you're doing the will of the father, you're automatically following Jesus, right? Amen? Jesus will say, if you love me, obey my commandments. He says, if you're following after God, then you're part of the family. If you've been saved, redeemed, set free, if, you've, if, you've been, if you're a child of God, you're part of the family, hence the name child of God. The Bible talks about adoption into the family. So Jesus is saying, if you follow me, you're part of the family. And so this promise 3,000 years ago were, were people for people who were part of the family. Sounds like a mobster thing, doesn't it? I'm part of the family. So my question to you this morning is, are you praying this prayer in vain? If you prayed it today, would it, be, would it be an outsider asking God to do something? Or are you part of the family? He then goes on to say, those who are called by my name. Those who are called by my, if my people who are called by my name. Have you ever, um, <laughs> all, my, all my kids went to school here. And, um, and I can remember there was a shift in, in how my kids got out of the car. We, we, we drove our kids to school because it was on my way to work. And so I would just swing by, all, you know, all the schools are on my way to work. So I would just swing by, drop them off at school and go to work. So when, you're, when your kids are little, they don't want to get out of the car, right? And they want to hug on you and they want to kiss and they were like, oh, ah, and you're like, get out. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to tell you which kid it is, but I remember specifically pulling up to elementary school going, get out of the car. We already drove around one time. I'm sure all the teachers are like, isn't he a pastor? Yeah. And my kids can be full of the devil just like yours. So there's a shift that happened as they got older. Uh, now, uh, my son is the only one I drop off at the high school, um, and when I, when I, he's almost got the door open before the truck stops. It's just like you pull up, door flies. I'm like, wait a second, we're not even uh, at the high school. They're serious about where you drop your kids off, man. You gotta pull up in the, in the crossing lines and stuff, or they'll be like, you're blocking the traffic. So, um, so I wanna make sure I'm doing the right thing. So he starts wheeling, I'm like, wait a second, hold on, have a good day, bro. Do God's will, yeah. And he's out the door. And I'm like, is he embarrassed about me? 
Do you remember that time when you were like, Mom, don't kiss me in front of my friends? Ma, like, like you started giving your dad a bro hug instead of a hug, right? Just like, yeah, dad, it's cool, whatever. My friends are around, man. This second little phrase here is indicative of that. Sometimes there's a shift in us, or sometimes it never was a real hug. Sometimes, so he says, if my people who are called by my name, called by my name. You know what, I I like it when I hear people say, man, they use their last name, they say, man, we got a legacy to keep up. I want my last name to be respected. You know, my father gave us a good last name. They're not embarrassed about the name. The Bible actually warns us about being embarrassed. And, And it's like, I can remember in high school wanting to be a Christian but not wanting anybody to know about it. Anybody ever been there? Like I knew God had a plan for my life and I wanted all that stuff, but I wasn't sure I wanted anybody else to know that I wanted all that stuff. And so there's two things right off the bat. You have to be his people and we have to be called by his name. We can't be embarrassed to identify as a disciple of of Christ. We, We can't come to church on Sunday and be like, yeah, God is awesome, and Jesus is my Savior, and they go to work and be like, I mean, church is okay, whatever. I mean, if I can make it, I make it, but it's not that big a deal. No, he's saying, he's saying, you're putting on the last name. You have to be called by the right name. Mark 8.38 says, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this unfaithful and immoral generation, I will be ashamed of him when I return in glory with all my angels. as Jesus. And so 3,000 years before that, he says, he says, if my people who are called by my name, they're not embarrassed about it, they're not ashamed of it, they're proud to be called by the name. And so today, we should be the same way in whatever circumstance you're in. I know you may work in an environment where, where everybody thinks what you're doing is a waste of time. I work in a church. I understand. <laughs> and I know there's a hesit- hesitancy when, when certain topics come up to want to wanna go, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. We want to ride the fence because, we're, because we don't want to be embarrassed about saying what the Bible says about a certain topic. But he says, we can't be embarrassed about it. If we're going to pray for healing, then there has to be a definite demarcation, right? There has to be a definite, I am his and I'm proud to be his. Because listen to what we're asking him for. We're asking him to heal a town, a city, a nation. A state. We're asking him to heal, heal a generation. We're asking him for something big. We're asking him to heal marriages. We're asking him to heal bodies. And it's not just a flippant thing. He said, if my people who are called by my name, if people who follow me and aren't embarrassed. Now, so that's a couple things starting off. Ready? The next thing you have to remember is most promises in scriptures are conditional. Don't you love that? You didn't read the fine print. Most promises in scripture are conditional. I just, uh, I just heard on the radio the other day this um, company 
who uh, I forget what they did. It was some, they had a contract that went out and they realized that nobody read the fine print of the contract. No one read the fine print of the contract. So they did, they put in the fine print, the first person to read this fine print and send us an email saying they read the fine print and saw this will win $10,000. Now I wouldn't give $10,000 away like that. That's crazy. But what the company found out is just recently after having this thing out for months, one lady finally emailed in and said, I read the fine print and I saw where you were promising $10,000. It took months because nobody reads the fine print. So here's what happens. Lean in a second. You come to a good church and you've got a decent preacher and a decent staff and all that stuff. And I stand up here week after week and tell you and tell you what the contract says. And we talk about things like this, but sometimes for yourself, you have to read the fine print. Because there's a reward in understanding that the promises of God are conditional. There's a reward for it. Because if we, if we pray, God, heal the land, heal, heal me, heal the land, heal, heal everything, heal. Lord, we need you to heal, we need you to heal. But we don't understand the conditions that get us to healing then we will be praying the wrong way over and over and over again. So if you come to church one Sunday and you hear, oh, if I do this, I'll do that, there, there's, there's all kinds of conditional promises in the Bible. And so we have, to, we have to read the fine print. We have to keep going back. What is my part in this? What is my part in this? So here's the deal. It's four conditions in the scripture. Four conditions for healing and restoration. Are you ready? Say amen. Are you ready? The first one. <laughs> what do you have to put this in here first? All the guys, just go ahead, go like this. Breathe deep, guys. Breathe out. Is there anybody controlling in here? Breathe deep. Breathe out. Ready? Any micromanagers in here? Breathe in. Count to 10. Hold it. Stress is going out right now. The first thing you have to admit is you're not in control. Oh, yes, I am. No, you're not. Can we look at this reality? If you were in control, you wouldn't need to be praying for healing. Let's just get that right off the bat. If you were in control, you would not need to be praying for healing. Some of you need to... Mm, hold on. This isn't in the notes. Some of you need to pray for healing because you're trying to act like you're in control. And you've ruined things. Because micromanaging ruins people. Being a control freak ruins people. And then you find out your relationships are ruined. Then you've got to pray for healing. But the first time, the first thing you've got to realize when you pray for healing is that you're not in control. You're not in control. No one is. And my people who are called by not my name. Do you remember what the next one is? My people who are called by my name will humble themselves. You realize there's nowhere in scripture where it tells you to pray for humility? You don't have to pray for humility. It's just something you do. Matter of fact, I would, I would point this out to you. Don't you ever pray for humility. That would be a bad prayer. God, humble me. No, 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 you don't want that. 
You don't want that. You don't want, you want to do the humbling yourself, trust me. You want to take on that responsibility. No, 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 God, I got this. I'll humble myself. I'm good. I don't need your help humbling me. The first step is humility. We can't approach God arrogantly, proudly, or flippantly. Like, God, you've got to do this. We have to remember who's in control. We can't make demands in prayer. We talked weeks ago about God's not a genie in a bottle. He's not a pixie dust. He's not, he's not magic. He's God. And so he's in control at all times. Job said, what I've realized through all of this is no plan of yours can be thwarted. After all that Job walked through, his revelation was, man, no plan of yours can be thwarted. You're, you're in control. And so oftentimes we try to stay in control and stay in a relationship with God. And you keep doing this. That's, that's why we get questions like, God, that you should not have done that. Don't you love it when your kids tell you that? Go to your room. You don't get to decide what's happened. I'm in control of this house. When you turn 18 and we force you out of the house, you can be in control then. So God is saying, listen, if, you're gonna, if I'm going to heal your land... The first thing you have to do is realize you're not in control. Humility comes after you realize that you're not controlling everything. The Bible never tells us to pray for humility, but it says just humble yourself. It's an act of our will. It's, it's what we can do in response to God's goodness. We can humble ourselves. Okay, you say, what does humility look like? What's humility look like? Some people think humility is talking negative about themselves. I just talked to somebody the other day. We were discussing this. And um, you realize that you don't have to be sorry for what you're good at. You realize that? Some people think humility comes because they downgrade what God has made them good at. And they go, oh, I'm really not that good. Well, I'm kind of terrible. If you're the best at it, that's fine. Amen? I'm giving you the permission to be okay with you being good at something. Some of you have been apologizing for things you're good at for years. That's not what humility is. That's false humility. All shucks, I'm not that good. No, you are. You're really good at it. You should get a raise. You should get a promotion. It's fine. You should be okay. No, I don't want to raise. I'm trying to humble myself. No, you're, you're trying to be poor. It's got nothing to do with humility. Take the raise. No, don't worry about me. No. So what happens is, it's not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. I'll say it again so you can write it down. It's not thinking less of yourself. You don't have to go, well, I'm terrible. Every time somebody compliments you, you don't have to come up with some negative thing about yourself. Man, you're really good at that. Yeah, but I'm really mean to my kids. Oh, you're really good at that. Yeah, but I'm late all the time. You ever met somebody like that? Like, just take the compliment. Just take the compliment. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, learn how to take a compliment. Come on, nobody knows how to take a compliment. So what happens is, it's not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less often. So here's, so let's, let's walk through some practical things. All these have verses in the Bible to support them. All right, here's how, some practical ways, I'm going to give you 12 of them. Practical ways... To, to be humble. 
practical ways to invite humility into your life before God does. Confess your sin to God the moment you realize it. Don't be too proud to say you messed up. Let me say that again. Don't be too proud to say you sinned. God already know, God knew you were going to sin before you even did it. So, so why are we going, well, I mean, that wasn't a big deal. It was just a little white lie. Wasn't a big deal. It wasn't, I didn't lose my temper that bad. I don't know. No, part of being humble is recognizing that I'm not in control. Obviously, if I'm still sinning, I'm not in control. Mm, James says, if you had just enough to control your tongue, it would be amazing. Somebody say amen. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, James said, if you had enough willpower just to control your tongue, we'd all be better off. Here's the deal. We're not in control, so we sin. So the humble thing would do would be to approach God immediately and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for what I've done. The humble thing to do would approach whoever, if you sinned against somebody and say, hey, forgive me for what I've done. That's humbling yourself. The second one, forgive quickly. Never hold on to a grudge. You see, when we don't forgive, we are still trying to be in control. When you're treated unfairly, be <laughs> when you're treated unfairly, be quiet and patient. Don't retaliate. Now watch this. Has anybody ever bragged about being quiet when you were treated unfairly? They're like, man, those people treated you really bad. You're like, oh no, man, I didn't say a word. I got so much self-control, I was just quiet. No, no, we never talk like that. They said, man, you were treated unfairly. You're like, yeah, I let them have it. And will treat me like that again. I told them what I thought. I, you know, I was yelling at them. I was doing da da da. No, 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 no. Humble yourselves. I don't have to respond to that. I don't have to defend that. I don't have to get upset about that. I don't have to. I don't, I don't have to. I don't have to in, increase the problem by responding. I can just be quiet. Now look at your neighbor and say, "Next time I offend you, just be quiet. It'll show that you're humble." Somebody likes it. Look for other ways to look for ways to serve others instead of expecting to be served. Remember, don't think of yourself less, think of yourself less often. Look for ways to serve others instead of expecting to be served. The fifth one, accept criticism and correction graciously. For all you defensive people out there, Accept criticism and correction graciously. Graciously, if somebody comes to you and says, "Hey, man, that that wasn't the greatest job I think you could do," just go, "Yeah, you're probably right." You you know what the quickest way to diffuse a situation? Because let me say this: the person that's offering, like, if you're at work, the person that's offering the criticisms you is probably as nervous or more nervous than you are, and they have calculated a thousand ways how you're going to respond to this criticism. And they're trying to figure it out. And, they're, and they're, their palms are sweaty and they're sitting down in front of you and they're saying, hey, you need to get this together or, or whatever. It's just the way it works. And so the way you diffuse a situation is say, you know what? You're probably right. I'll get better. Can, can, I, can I ask you this? Whatever, whatever happened to just being okay with getting better? 
It's that, remember what we said at the beginning? It's that I'm in control thing. You can't criticize me because I'm in control. And so a way to humble yourself is just to say, yeah, you know what? You're right. I did. I haven't been doing my best. Or, I th- or you're right. I could do better. Or yes, dinner was burnt. <laughs> yes, those are my underwear on the floor. I admit it. And I will improve. I would like to point out they're closer to the laundry basket than they were last week. I'd like some credit for that. Don't fight to get the best seat or table or parking spot. He had me till parking spot. Don't fight to get the best seat or table or parking spot. Next time somebody cuts you off at Target and parks in your space, do not give them the middle finger. Just, be a, just say, hey, listen, they needed it more than me. What's the point? Next time somebody cuts you off in the interstate, don't get road rage. Just say, hey, they needed to get there more than me. It's fine. Wave at them. Jesus loves you. <laughs> Intentionally be friends with people who have no status. Intentionally be friends with people who have no status or cannot help you or are overlooked by society. Intentionally be friends with people. I told, I've told my kids over and over again, you, ha- you cannot be a one-trick pony in the kingdom. I don't even know what that means, but my dad used to say it all the time. You can't be a one-trick pony in the kingdom because the kingdom is all socioeconomic statuses. It's all backgrounds. It's all races. It's, all, it's everybody. And so if you isolate yourself to the people that make the same money as you and hang out in the same places as you and have the same type of cars you do and all the kids act the same, then you're missing out on a large portion of the kingdom. Amen? And so a way to humble yourself is to realize that there's people around you that aren't like you. Be respectful to the authorities in your life, even the bad ones. Mm. He's gonna get political. No, I'm just gonna move on to number nine. Pick up trash wherever you find it. You know what the magic about Disney is? Everybody picks up trash. If you, if you look into their, to their uh, core values and, and how, their, how their philosophy about doing those things, everybody in the park will pick up trash, no matter what their level is. You want to flip somebody out? If you're a manager at work, do something that nobody expected you to do. Mop a floor every now and then. Clean something up. Clean something up behind a subordinate. Just bend over and pick up the trash wherever you find it. Leave a, leave a public restroom cleaner. Wear gloves in there, but leave it cleaner than... <laughs> 10. Admit your weaknesses to sin to a few safe people. You notice that didn't say Facebook. I got a thousand safe people. No, admit your weakness and sins to a few safe people. Let some people into your life that know how you struggle. Let a few people into your life that know how you struggle. It will keep you humble. 11, always speak well of others and never use put downs. Never stoop to the level of people who put you down. This is not tit for tat. You don't have to respond every time somebody calls you something. 
Be careful how we talk about other people. Be humble. In the last one, pray for your enemies and bless those that hate you. Pray for your enemies and bless those that hate you. That's just 12 practical ways that you can humble yourself. So it says, humble yourself before the Lord. If my people who are called by my my name will humble themselves. So here's four things God will do if, if we will humble ourselves. So if I'm humble, if I'll do the work to be humble, if the condition of humility is him answering my prayer, if I do the work to be humble, if I go home today and I apologize, if I go home today and I forgive, if I go home today and take responsibility, if I go home today and not think of myself as much as I have, I got convicted reading this this week. I went to a, a mixer the other day. I drank water. Stop looking at me like that. Uh, and I went in with the idea that there was something, uh, something uh, Pastor Sam and I are doing outside of the church, and we're, we're going we're to go to this mixer and promote it. When I walked in the door, my mindset was fixed on how can I meet these people and tell them what I need them to know? Isn't that why you go? You go to make money. You go to try to find somebody that wants what you're providing, and then they're going to pay you for what you're providing. And hopefully they will drink enough that they'll sign a contract that that's not my strategy. But I was convicted because humility means that I walk in the room and think less of myself and more of somebody else so I can start a conversation not thinking about me, but how can I... How can I learn more about somebody else? You see, the whole game changes. Well, God bless me because the relationship, I believe it. But the way I start out the relationship is not with my elevator pitch, but learning more about the other person. That's humility. So let me ask you this. Or let me make this statement. If you get into a conversation and you're not asking more questions than you're telling, you might want to check where the conversation's going. The way we humble ourselves is we think about ourselves less, not as less. Amen? So if we humble ourselves, God will guide me. Psalms 25, 9, God leads the humble in the right way and teaches them his will. He leads who? Who does he lead? The humble. Because we know from other scriptures that pride causes us to stumble But God will lead, see, it rhymed there, I didn't even try. Pride will cause us to stumble, but but God will lead the humble. So we know God will lead and direct our steps. It says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. You know what that already tells me? That the righteous man is humble. So you can't get out of it. If you want God to direct your steps, humble yourself. The second one, if I'm humble, God will bless me. Isaiah 66, 2, I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts. God will bless you if you're humble. So what do we do? We realize that he was in control, and that's humbling for me to realize he's in control. So I've got to confess my sin. I've I've got to do all these things. I'm going to humble myself in practical ways, and it says when I do that, he will bless me. If you're praying for blessing and still holding on to control, they won't come at the same time. Did you hear that? 
They will not come at the same time. God cannot bless pride. If you want to do a word search in scripture, search pride and see how much he hates it. It's not that he just dislikes it a little bit. He hates it. And so it's not out of the ordinary for God to start this promise that he's giving us of healing and restoration with. You can't be prideful and pray this at the same time. So he says, if you want blessing, you have to be humble. The third thing God will do if we're humble, he will give me the power to change. Think about the people that never change in your, in, that you're, maybe you're thinking about yourself, but in your sphere of friends, the people who deal with the same problems over and over and over and over again, it's a, I can boil it down to one thing. It's a refusal to do anything different than what they've been doing. Now, you know what that means, right? The de definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. I've learned that if I talk to my wife a certain way, there's no blessing coming. <laughs> it's not going to happen. So who's the idiot if I don't get blessed? I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. So if I keep coming home doing the same thing over and over and over again, and I'm not getting a blessing, then I need to wake up and realize that maybe I am the one. I like to say to people, who's the common denominator in all your problems? I know you thought it was somebody else, but it's you. And 99% of my problems, it's always me. It's always me. And the humbling thing is, is that when I realize that I'm not in control, I can't do it all. Uh, it, it's, it's my problem. I've got to get help for it. I've got to be, I've got to confess my sin, all these things. Then I realize, then I realize what God can do if I will change. So if I humble myself, change will come. You know why? Because if you humble yourself, you're you're willing to admit the problem. And the thing that crushes me more than anything else is to watch people walk through the same thing over and over and over and over again. And I've been in ministry long enough to see it and see them refusing to change in the middle of it. Refusing to change. No, 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 I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. The only way we can change is if we humble ourselves and realize that we're the ones that need to change. I have never prayed a prayer and had God change. Raise your hand if you prayed a prayer and had God change one time. Like he changed. Like he's like, oh, you're right. I was wrong. I'm a humble God. I'll admit it. It's never happened. Every time something serious has come into my life and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray, I always realize he was changing me. He was changing me. So if I humble myself, God will give me the power to change. James 4, 6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And the fourth thing, if I'm humble, God will reduce my stress. You know what he's saying right here? If you're humble, God is like a good back rub. He's better than taking 10 deep breaths. He's better than going, if you will humble yourself, he will give you, he will reduce your stress. Okay, Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. Jesus, 
Take the yoke, he's saying this, take the yoke I give you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble and I'll restore deep rest to your soul. He said, learn from me and I will restore rest to you. Is there anybody tired in the building this morning? Not just because of the time change? I can tell you're like, oh man, is he going to finish soon? Some of you are stressed out because you refuse to humble yourself. And the problem keeps coming up and it keeps coming up. So it goes back to the last one. We're not changing. So the stress keeps coming. The stress keeps coming. The stress keeps coming. Beth and I had a counselor one time tell us, he said, your life is like a bathtub. And I went, that's pretty true. There's a lot of crappy things in the bottom of it. (laughs) So what happens is he said, your life is like a bathtub. You can only handle so much stress. You can only handle so much stress. And when that, he said, two things you can do. You can either get a bigger bathtub, or he said it's going to, or you can pull the plug. Anybody ever had a bathtub overfilled because you thought, I'm going to run a nice warm bath, and you turned it on, and then you're one of those people that can't think straight, and, uh, and you just walked out, and you started doing something else, and next thing you know, your bathtub was overfilled. That's how life happens to us. You have a certain capacity for stress in your life. I'm not saying all stress is bad. Obviously, it's not. There's a certain capacity for stress in your life. And when you don't deal with it, guess what it does? It comes over the side and it ruins your bathroom floor. And it starts to destroy things. And so we sat in a session with him and he said, listen, if you don't figure out how to increase your capacity or pull the plug, it's going to damage you. God is saying to us. I can relieve your stress if you'll be humble enough to ask me. Sometimes we have to wake up in the morning and realize we are not in control anymore. That I I realized in my life five years ago that there was nothing I could do physically to change my circumstance. There wasn't anything I could do. I, I couldn't hustle anymore for it. Everybody now is like, oh man, just hustle. Just hustle for it. I'm, I'm as hustler as hustler can get. I'm a hustler. <laughs> the things I say on Sunday morning. But there was, I couldn't, I couldn't fix it. I couldn't fix it. And what I realized I had to do was I had to humble myself before God and say, God, I, I don't know how to do this anymore. I don't know how to fix anything. It seems like, I told him one time I was praying, I said, it feels like everything I touch breaks. It feels like everything I touch breaks. And he said, but listen, Matthew, Jesus is recording Matthew saying, take my yoke upon you. There used to be an old song we used to sing about that. Take my yoke upon you, me and be blessed. Nobody? You guys are brand new baby Christians? Somebody was singing it. Somebody knows it. He said, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble, and I will restore deep rest to your soul. He says, my yoke is easy. And another translation says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the thing in my life that I realized was I was unwilling to trade control for rest. I was unwilling to trade control for us. Lord, I want you to do it my way. I want people to see that I can handle it. I want people to see that I can get through this. I want to be strong. And what happened was... Hmm. 
What happened was I didn't humble myself at the beginning. So what happened was I ended up laying on my bed at times, weeping before God, going, God. And then finally I got to the place where I went, I don't know what to do. I can't do anything. And he went, that's a good place to start. Now I can give you rest. Now I can give you rest. I humbled myself before him and went, Lord, I don't have any of the answers anymore. All the tr- I've played all the tricks in my bag right now, and it's not working. And he said, I can give you rest now. If we humble ourselves, he will reduce our stress. How many people looking for that this morning? Reduce your stress. He didn't say get rid of your boss. He said you could handle your boss differently. Okay. So he tells us that we're not in control. The second thing we have to realize, we have to ask for help. If my people will pray, say, what am I praying about? I'm praying God to heal me. I'm praying God to heal my town. I'm praying God to heal the city. I'm praying he'll heal the state. I'm praying he'll heal our nation. I'm praying he'll heal our world. We're going to ask him for help. I've told you over and over and over again that asking God to help, to heal, is a sign of faith. It means just by the very act of asking that you believe he can do it. Because we talked last week, if you didn't think he could do it, you wouldn't ask. I don't ask people to do things that I don't think they can do. So you ask because we believe. So it's an act of faith. So John 16, 23 through 24, Jesus says this. I tell you the truth. My father will give you anything you ask for in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you'll receive so that your joy will be the fullest possible joy. So this gives us the first couple tips on how to pray for healing. Right here. Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, I will give it to you. And you're like, well, wait a second. I've been asking in Jesus' name for years and I haven't gotten everything I want. So the first thing is, we're going to get to this. First thing is, remember, he wants you to ask. It's his idea. He told you to ask. So if he told you to ask, you should pray and ask. God, heal me. Heal this, heal this place I'm in. Heal this land. Heal this relationship. Heal this marriage. He wants us to ask because it's an indication we trust him. The second thing he says is ask in Jesus' name. You know what that means? It means you know. It means you know. You ever been around people who drop names of people they don't know? And they act like they know him. And then when you get around the person that they said they knew, and you said, hey, do you know that person? That person doesn't know that person. I just confused. It was like, uh. I've been in situations like that where I've been sitting out talking to people. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I'll, I'll get you a connection with them. And I'll blah, blah, blah. And they'll, they'll act like they were best friends eating at a barbecue the night before at their house. And then I'll see the other person. I'll go ask the other person, hey, so-and-so told me they were going to, you know, they, I don't know them. I don't know them. Oh, your friend's on Facebook. <laughs> okay. Oh, you, oh, he's your Facebook stalker. Okay. Yeah, okay. Now I know how the connection is made. In Jesus' name, on the basis of all that he's done. The reason I can pray in Jesus' name is because I know what he's done for me. Come on, the reason you can call out on the name of Jesus, the reason you can go to the Father and say, Father, I need you to heal me right now in Jesus' name is because you're part of that family. 
It's because you've been accepted into the body of Christ. It's because he died for you. And if you've accepted that in your life today, then you have a basis on which to go to God and pray. You could say in Jesus name because he's my savior. Because I look back and I see all the stuff that he's done. Because I look back and I see how faithful he's been. Because I look back and see that he's never left me or forsaken me. And so I can now go to the Father and say, in Jesus' name. I know what that means. Remember last week we talked about when you get to breakfast sitting down and honoring the name of Jesus. You're reminding yourself of all the things that God is. Honor the name. You're reminding yourself. And so when you go to God in prayer, you can say, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now let me say this. It says, ask in my name and the Father will give you anything you ask for. And some of you instantly went, no, he won't. No, he won't. He won't give me anything. But you're confusing something. You're confusing everything with anything. Now we talked a couple weeks ago about God will not give you everything you ask for. Right? It's like handing your kid everything they ask for. They'd be 400 pounds at three years old and, and as spoiled as you could get. You don't give them everything they ask for, but you will allow them to ask for anything. Actually, not in my family. I said, don't even ask. <laughs> you know what the beautiful thing about God is? He says, go ahead and ask. I'm not saying no up front. Go ahead and ask. Go ahead and ask. So you know what? Remember a couple weeks ago, and I think I've had more feedback from this than almost anything I've said, except maybe I might get some feedback this morning. I told you a couple weeks ago that I always just assume it's yes until I find out it's no. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, assume it's yes. Ask for anything. And if it's no, I'll let you know. Isn't that a good way to go about praying? Lord, I'm going to assume you're going to heal me until I find out something else. And if I find out something else, that's fine. But I'm going to assume up front that you're going to heal me. I'm going to just assume that you're going to provide for me. I'm going to assume that you're going to reduce my stress. I'm going to assume that if I pray and ask, you're going to answer. And so he didn't say give us everything, but he said ask for anything. And that's an important thing. James 5, chapter 5, verse 13 is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the pers sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. And if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. He's telling us to ask in his name. The third thing we need to remember is get other people to pray with you. All right. Lean in here. Lean in here. I'm going to show you a great principle. Go ahead, lean in. Some of you aren't asking other people to pray for you because it would include humility to confess to them what you need them to pray for you about. You're on an island all by yourself asking all by yourself. And you're too embarrassed to go to somebody else and say, hey, listen, I need you to pray for me because I'm dealing with this. The quickest way to allow God to hear you, we've already heard it over and over and over, is to humble yourself and pray. If you want healing, humble yourself and pray. If you want forgiveness, humble yourself and pray. And part of that is humbling myself to the point where I can go to somebody else and say, man, I'm struggling right now and I don't know what to do. Could you pray for me? 
I didn't say put it on Facebook. That's why earlier we said a few people. It, not, it might not be a family member. You're like, I ain't trusting him. He tells everybody. Get other people to pray with you. James says, listen, is anybody sick? Get some good people around you. That's what it said. Get some good people around you to pray. And don't take that as just sick in body. You could have, you could have a addiction. You could have anything. Hey, listen, I'm going to humble myself enough to tell you what's going on. And I need you to really pray for me. God hears those prayers. Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. Jesus said, I tell you that if just two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you. Now those verses are starting to make sense, aren't they? He's saying, listen, if you will humble yourself enough to tell somebody else what you're walking through and have somebody else intercede for you, have somebody else know what's going on and pray for you, then guess what? I'm going to hear it. I'm going to hear it. 3,000 years ago, he also said that to Solomon. If my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. What are you praying out? I can't tell. I can't tell. I remember in old, old church services when I was growing up, you'd always have the guy like, does anybody have any prayer requests? You, sir, unspoken. And I used to think as a kid, why'd you raise your hand? Why'd you raise your hand? If you're not going to tell us what to pray for, I don't know what to pray for. Lord, I have no idea what they're going through. No idea. All right, that's the end of that. I'll move on to something I know. Tell some people who can pray with you. Look at your neighbor and say, I need to be, I need to be more honest with a couple people. Come on, tell them, I need to be more honest with a couple people. Just two of you on earth agree together for anything you ask for. Tell, tell somebody else this power and agreement. Fourth thing, believe and expect to answer. Prayer is offered in faith. Faith in God means coming back and coming back and coming back and coming back and coming. I still believe. I still believe you're powerful. I still believe you're able. I still believe you're willing. I'm going to ask again. I'm going to ask again. I'm going to ask again. Keep praying. Pray until God tells you to stop. That's the next one. Some of us have not built up our perseverance very well. And so we get frustrated. We pray one time. He doesn't do it. And we go, oh, I tried that. You need to be like a little kid and just say, God, until I get a definitive no from you, you're going to keep hearing it. And then I might throw one up afterwards just to make sure. But I'm going to keep praying. Listen, if it's important to you, you would expect, God would expect you to make a commotion out of it. Now, I'm going to get in real trouble and we've got to stop. There's some things that are really important in your life, but nobody would understand it because the amount of time you dedicate to prayer over that situation doesn't indicate the importance. There's some of you walking through struggles right now and you've barely cracked the door of heaven over it. And God's looking down saying, I want to heal you, but it doesn't seem that important. There is something to be said for a church who will not stop praying until the community is healed. 
There's something to be said about a family who will not stop praying until the relationship is healed. There's something to be said about a nation who will not stop praying. They have a week of prayer and they go, well, that didn't work. We'll just keep moving on. You don't have three weeks of fasting and a week of prayer and, and do all these. And just say, well, it didn't work. No. What does it say? Keep asking. Keep asking. Keep asking. Stand to your feet. We're going to end with this. At the end of the day, God is not a slot machine. I'm not going... You know what the problems with slot machines is? It's an end or it's a means to an end. Nobody loves slot machines. Nobody's like, oh man, I just love a slot machine. No, no, no. It's a means to an end. You think, well, if I do this, this, and this, I'm going I'm to get something. And a lot of times we're treating God as a slot machine. And we're saying, if I put enough coins in and hit the right buttons, he'll give me everything I want. I don't have to be close to him. I just have to follow a formula and I'll, he'll get every, I'll get everything I want. And the thing is, is at the end of the day, he wants to heal our land, but he wants us first. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and we almost left the last one out, and seek my face. It's God first. You got to want him more than the relationship. You got to want him more than the job. You got to want him more than healing. You got to want him more. I love those who love me. Proverbs says in eight, chapter eight, verse 17, those who seek me, find me. Hebrews eleven six says, God rewards those who earnestly seek him. Psalms 114, 2, the Lord looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if there is even one with real understanding, one who seeks for God. Deuteronomy 4, starting in verse 29, if you seek the Lord your God, you will find him. If you look for him with all of your heart and with all of your soul, when you are in distress and all these things have happened to you, you'll return to the Lord your God and obey him for he is merciful God. He will not abandon or destroy you over and over. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be given to you as well. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face and pray. Father, we ask you for that this morning. You're the center of our affection. We want to know you. We don't want just what you can give us. We want you. God, teach us this morning. Make us different. We ask today, Lord, not for healing right now. Lord, we ask that you change us to trust you more. We ask you to change us, Lord. We, let us learn how to humble ourselves and hear your voice. Let us learn how to seek you diligently. Let us realize, Lord, that if we seek you, everything else will be added. Lord, let us have a conviction today about prayer and about seeking you. And Lord, I, I pray today and ask that as we do that, you reveal all these things to us, Lord. And so now, God, we ask 
We ask that you heal relationships here this morning. We ask you, you'd heal bodies today, Lord. As we humble ourselves before you, as we, you forgive us of our sins, as we confess to you, Lord, as we, as we put others before ourselves, Lord, as we do all these things, and we ask that you would heal us, and we believe without a shadow of a doubt this morning that you will do just that, and we thank you in advance, and we thank you, and we thank you, and we thank you because you're good. And it's in that mighty name we pray, the mighty name of Jesus, who has delivered us and set us free, the mighty name of Jesus who provided, the mighty name of Jesus who has already healed, the mighty name of Jesus who has never left us. We pray in that powerful, mighty name today. Amen and amen. Come on, give him praise and honor this morning. He's good. Amen.